Welcome to another episode of the X-Experts Divorce Etc. podcast, where we give you all kinds of information and tips on everything divorce. Why? We've lived it, so we get it. We're Jessica and TH. And keep in mind, you can get X-Experts in your inbox by signing up for our newsletter, get the latest news and find out all about our events before anyone else, plus access special discounts and prices. Head to xexperts.com to subscribe. Welcome everyone to today's episode of Divorce Etc. with the X-Experts. This is Jessica. I'm here alone today. TH is not joining us, but we have a great conversation for you today with information that hits home for me personally because I love real estate. We have with us Melissa Rubenstein, a realtor with Christie's International in New Jersey. She's also a former real estate attorney, so she has all of the perspectives on you know, what goes on in a real estate transaction, buying and selling. And when you're getting divorced, obviously real estate, where you're going to live, whether or not you're going to be able to purchase a new home, rent a new home, whether you should sell your existing home. These are all very important things that we all have to deal with from the get-go. So Melissa, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And this is definitely a big topic in divorce is real estate and what's going to happen to the family home and where's everyone going to go. And it's, it's a big topic. And you yourself are also divorced. I am. Yes. So can I just ask, what did you guys do with your living situation? So I was able to stay in the marital home um, with my children and my um, ex-husband is now about 15 minutes away. So we're close and he's in and out of the house all the time. And so we've really made it a great situation for the kids. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, all right, like kind of get us started. So people come to you let's say they're selling their home because they're getting divorced. What are some of the things that you need to make them aware of that other clients who are not getting divorced that may not be relevant to them? Well, first, I would encourage anyone who's even thinking about divorce to consult a realtor, somebody in the profession before they get to the mediation table, before they get in front of a judge. Um, they're gonna wa- I want them to know who holds their mortgage what mortgage is left on the house, Um, things that everyone should know become amplified in the divorce situation. So before you even think about putting your home on the market, it's important to have a basic knowledge of, is there a first mortgage, a second mortgage? How much equity could you possibly have in your house? Um, What are your monthly payments? There's basic questions that I would hope everyone asks before they even think about considering selling their home. And I hadn't even thought about that. I mean, we've had so many conversations with divorce lawyers about the kinds of things that you need to know with regards to your finances, but I bet there are so many people who are like, yeah, but I don't know how much is owed on the mortgage or, or the specific amount of the mortgage each month even. Right. I mean, those are the basic questions that you should know the login to your mortgage account, just like any bank account, there's a mortgage account that you should have the login, the password to know exactly how much equity is in your home. I think probably something also that people should be aware of, which I was not aware of, and it had nothing to do with my, either of my divorces, but I did recently, I've owned an, I've owned my own home before. And I recently bought a new apartment and like, Theoretically, I'm getting my, I got my mortgage through Citibank, 
but almost immediately they sold it to Senlar. So whoever you, you as, as you know, the person getting divorced may recall that your mortgage was from Chase or your mortgage was from Citibank, but you really need to check because there's a very high likelihood that they've then sold your mortgage as part of a package to another company. Exactly. There's likely somebody servicing your mortgage and that's going to be a completely different login, completely different information. And it's great to have that before you even go into a mediation. Okay. So those are things that they should know, hopefully before they even are, you know, potentially coming to you for the opportunity to, if they want to sell it or trying to figure it out. Exactly. What are, what are the, uh, what are the conversations you're having with them? I mean, are people coming to you to help also value the home? Oh my God. I have so many questions. First of all, do you recommend that people hire an independent appraiser just for the purpose of like getting the value of the home for the, for the divorce? Because obviously if you are going to sell your home, if you've already decided with your spouse that you're going to sell it, then someone is going to like the buyer's, you know, mortgage company is going to come in and appraise it. Like what part of the process So before we even think about buyers and sellers, you should go into your mediation or in front of a judge with that information. And it can either be a third-party appraiser, we have professional appraisers who do this, or a realtor who can come in and give you an educated value on what your house is worth at this moment. Because the big conversation right now is that during COVID, from 2020 to 2022, we had a massive shift in the market. So yeah. what your home was worth in 2020 in our area of Bergen County, we're talking about a 19% increase on average. So you may have no idea what your home is worth in this market. And an appraiser, when prices first started going up, appraisers really had no idea what to do with houses because we didn't have those comparable sales. Right Now we have a year of comparable sales that we can work off of to give you a real-time valuation on your home, which right. is just important. You should know what's in your brokerage account. You should know what your home is worth and in real time, not what it was worth maybe five years ago or when you purchased. And also keep in mind for people listening, like depending on where you live, right? That may not be the case. I mean, I live in New York City. So so apartment values plummeted initially during COVID and they are recovering. The market's definitely stronger today. But like if you live in an area where the home values have gone down, you need to be aware of that too. And that would for sure factor into whether or not someone's going to sell potentially depending, I guess, on who wants to stay in the house. Because I think that one thing that a lot of people don't necessarily think about because they aren't aware of it because they haven't been divorced before is like, it's not as simple as who's going to stay in the house. Like if I'm going to stay in the house, I actually have to buy my husband out of his portion of the house. So like, you don't necessarily want to have to sell it in a down market, but you have to figure out what you're going to do financially to compensate for that. Right. And kind of to go back a little bit, two years ago, before I really started thinking about divorce, I didn't realize that when you go to buy your house from your spouse, I think what most people think is, okay, can I cover the monthly payment? Can I cover the mortgage and the taxes? And they think, yes, I can cover, I can pull it together. I can cover the mortgage and the taxes. Well, that's not the whole picture. So you have to first have the equity 
there's equity in your home, what's left after you pay your mortgage company their loan, you have to pay usually half of that to your ex-spouse. So you first have to have a sizable amount of money, cash basically, to pay to your ex-spouse to buy him or her out of the house then you have to be able to qualify for a mortgage on your own. And if you're not working, it can take six months of alimony and support payments to show the mortgage company so that you may be able to qualify for a mortgage. So it's not as simple as just covering your monthly payment. I'm so glad you brought that up because I think that a lot of people are very unaware of that. And by the way, like I would just say to anybody out there, I mean, even more of a reason to try to have an amicable divorce with your ex, because depending on your circumstances, they may be willing to keep their name on the deed and keep the mortgage in their name for a little while to be able to help you get back on your feet or whatever the case may be, you know, or have some kind of a legal written agreement written on the side. And that says that they, you know, that you own it, whatever the case may be, you right. know, the more you get along with your soon to be ex-partner, the more right. beneficial the more that might be. Yeah. Right. And the one thing I would caution against is deciding on support or any kind of payments based on future valuation of the house. Um, we can't predict the future. Everybody asks me where the market's going. Is it going up? Is it going down? Staying the same? We can't predict the future. Okay. So you don't want to peg your valuation on what it's going to be worth, let's say, when your kids go to college. Right. Um, and based You're on that- You're never going to know. I mean, it's way too volatile, the market. It could, it's completely volatile volatile. And so you really need to base it on it's what it's worth at this moment, which is a plus and a minus to people who are selling the house and both people are moving and going their own ways. They're going to have a bit of a windfall, at least in my area. Um, But if one person is staying in the house, you're going to be paying your ex-spouse considerably more than you would have two years ago. So, okay. So they have to figure out, you know, the valuation of the house and, and get some of that preliminary information, know how much is left on your mortgage, get your logins, know what your payments are every month. I mean, what are some of the other parts of the conversations that you have specifically with divorced clients? Sure. I think there's the financial aspect of it, which we kind of talked about. Then there's the emotional aspect of it. Um, you're dealing, you represent each party equally. So you represent both spouses, which puts us in a unique position that's different from probably all other areas of divorce in that we are communicating with both spouses equally. And that's something that we make very clear from the first day we meet everybody. And it may be that everybody can be on a group email. It may be everybody's on a group text, or it may be that I'm communicating with separate attorneys directly. Um, It all depends on the situation. So it's what everyone agrees to, what everybody's most comfortable with. I'm not the wife's realtor. I'm not the husband's realtor. I am everyone's realtor. So we have to make that clear from the get-go that everyone is going to have equal access to every piece of information. Everyone will know when the open houses are. Everyone will know, you know, the showings to the extent that they want to know. And it also means that everyone is in the process of valuation. So sometimes the spouses can agree on my or another realtor's expertise and what we suggest solicited at. Other times it has to go through third-party appraisers who will then go to the mediator or the judge and in a more formal process, they'll figure out how to list the house. 
how challenging do you find it if the couple miraculously was able to agree on a single broker, (laughs) but they, you know, you're, you come in with your expertise and you're like, look, we should list the house for a million dollars. Here are the comps. And here's why I'm just picking a round number. Sure. And one of them is like, it should be one, three. And the other one is either okay with a million or, you know, or whatever. I mean, look, I understand in real estate, everybody wants to get the highest price possible. So that goes without saying, but I mean- And that's the goal of the realtor is to always, when we're selling your house, is to get the maximum dollar value with the most qualified buyer. That's right. And I totally get that. But I also know, I I have my license as well, um, that like, look, you know- you can want it to be worth one, three, but like, it doesn't, you know, if you listed at that, you're really not going to be getting the buyers that you want. And so I'm just curious what, what it looks like when you have a soon to be divorced couple, who's just not even agreeing. Maybe they're not agreeing on the list price. Maybe they're not agreeing on what the counter offer should be. Maybe they're not agreeing on the actual, you know, the, the end sale price. Like, how do you, you know, deal with that? We're taking a quick break here to talk about our partner, Athletic Greens, which has a product I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because I wanted to see what all the hype was about, and I love it. You know I'm into health and wellness and love to use all of my essential oils and stuff, and one scoop of AG1 is 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to start your day right. It's for gut health, immunity, energy, focus, aging, all the things. I mix it in water or a smoothie before or after the gym, and it works for everyone. If you're keto, gluten-free, vegan, paleo, and dairy-free. And every time you buy, they donate to organizations that help get nutritious food to kids in need, like No Kid Hungry. This is a simple way to take care of your health with just one scoop and a cup of water a day. That's it. Plus, to make it easy, you'll get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to athleticgreens.com slash emerging. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash emerging and take control of your health starting now. If you're enjoying our Divorce Etc. podcast, be sure and subscribe to our newsletter to get ex-experts in your inbox. It's free and includes tips from real-life experts who've been through it, telling you what they wish they knew. You'll also hear about our upcoming episodes and Q&As with our experts. Plus, you'll find out about our upcoming events before anyone else and get access to discounts and preferred pricing. You can sign up at www.exexperts.com. This happens all the time. It does. And I've had it where it's like the situation that you've kind of presented where one person thinks it's worth more. Actually, more common is when we have one spouse who doesn't want to leave the home and doesn't want to sell. So they want it priced at one five, knowing that it's really not going to sell at that price. Okay. So unfortunately, that's when we have to get the lawyers involved. And okay. As everybody kind of watching knows, the more you get the lawyers involved, the higher the fees go and the less money you get from your sale. So it really is advantageous to find a price that everybody agrees on. And what we always tell people, regardless of divorce, not divorce, the market will bring it up to where it should be. Mm -hmm. Um, It can't, it's very hard to price a home too low. It's 
very possible to price a home too high. Sure. And then you're not going to get offers. You're going to sit on the market. You're going to be forced to lower your price. And that's, I think, when you get the lesser value for your property. If you put it at market value, slightly lower than market value, you'll get multiple offers and it'll bring up the value. But unfortunately, that's when the attorneys have to get involved. It almost seems counterproductive for the person who's staying in the house to want it to be listed for the higher price because you're the one who's going to have to buy out your spouse. I would think if I was staying in the house, I'd be like, no, 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 it's not worth a million. It's worth 800,000. That happens as well. But sometimes you have a spouse who you know can't stay in the house and would be forced to relocate. And they're the one who may want to just delay the sale. Okay. Okay, fair enough. All right, so what are some of the other issues that you find to be specific to clients that are getting divorced? Sure, I mean, in addition to the financial and kind of logistical aspect, you have the emotional aspect. Um, Your home, your marital home could have been where you brought your kids home from the hospital, your kids' first day of school. You know, these are, there are emotional ties to your home that you don't have to your bank account. Right. So- those first few meetings have to be really delicate. Um, I want to talk to my homeowners about what their goals are. Are their goals to stay in town and stay in the same school district? Are they to find two comparable school districts so that they have the choice of where to send their kids to school? Um, You know, is one going to an apartment, but one wants to to find another home. So those are all things that we're going to talk about before we even list your house, because there is nothing more anxiety inducing than not knowing where you're going to live and not having options about where you're going to live. So we want to just kind of put those fears aside off the bat so that we can sell your home in a short amount of time and know where you're going and know that everything is going to work out. So, you know, really, these are questions that people should be talking to their spouse about almost even before they come to meet with you. I mean, it's great that you're going to ask them, but it's like, look, you know, if you, this should be part of the conversation at home, you know, what are we going to do? Where are we going to live? Do we want to stay here? All the things that you just listed, I think are important. And to in have- some situations, there, there are two people who just want the best for their kids and they're going to make it work so that the kids can stay in the house if possible. And another spouse will leave. There are situations where they're not speaking to each other at all. Right. And everything has to go through the attorneys. So the best interest of the other spouse is just not at heart at that time. So every, every single divorcing situation, like every single sale is different. So we have to, I approach everything with an open mind and know that no two situations are going to be the same. Um, When you said what's part of that initial conversation, we're also talking about what the people are comfortable with who are living in the house. Are they comfortable with a sign going out on the lawn? You know, do do they want their neighbors to know that they're selling? I mean, obviously everything's on the internet these days. So everybody eventually knows what's going on, but do they want a sign, an open house or private versus private showings? Right. Do they want a lockbox on their door? You know, these are all things that, you know, come into the process when we're talking about divorce. And in the most extreme situations, sometimes we unfortunately have restraining orders where the other spouse is not permitted in the house, where 
privacy is of the utmost concern where we can't hold an open house and we have to be incredibly careful about who we allow into the house. So at times you may need to show identification. You may need, you know, there, there are things that come up. Wow. Um, so what about when it comes to rental properties? I mean, so oftentimes when you're selling the marital home, if you're not ready to go into a new sale, especially in an environment like ours right now, where there are just so few homes on the market, I think in my town, there are eight homes on the market right now. A lot of times we're going to be thinking about a rental. And in terms of a rental, this is something that you should definitely bring into your mediation. You're going to need likely three and a half months of rent to go into a rental. So first month, last month, and a month and a half security deposit. So you want to make sure that there's cash for those three and a half months to go into a rental. And what about just qualifying for a rental? Qualifying for a rental, um, it depends on the rental whether it's a house or rental company, I'm sure you know in the city, they oftentimes want 40 times monthly rent. Correct. Out in the suburbs, it's typically not as strict, okay. especially if you're renting a private home, but you are gonna have to show either cash in the bank or income, or you're gonna have to find a co-signer. A co-signer or a guarantor, potentially. Yeah, or a guarantor, and, exactly. and I mean, and, and in the city, the guarantor, I think that they want 80 times the 80 rent. 80 times, exactly. So it's definitely more relaxed in the suburbs. There are a little more flexibility. I know when I did this, I also sold in the city prior to selling in New Jersey. Right. So I know those rental requirements kept a lot of people out of apartments. Out here, renting is a bit easier. They just want to know that it's nice people who will be good to their home. Right. How, what what would people do if they are currently in a rental and they've decided to get divorced and their lease is not up anytime soon? What kind of advice would you give to the clients like that? I mean, one still may need to find a new place, but in the meantime, like how do they handle that? I mean, unfortunately with a lease, you really are both still liable for your entire lease through the duration of the lease. So you're going to have to work out something with your landlord. Um, the landlord cannot, they can keep your security deposit, but once they've rented out your space, they can't continue to charge double rent to the people sure. who are already there. So you may have a penalty, you may have a lease break clause, but if you can find a renter for your apartment, typically, not every time, but typically you should be able to get out of your apartment. Okay. So I'm wondering if they're like what the, I guess you already answered it, that if two people's names are on the lease, will they let you um, like take one of the names off so that only one person's name is still on? Depends on the situation and depends on who financially qualified for the lease. They may make you sign a new lease. They may make you find a guarantor. So they're not just going to say, you can't just go into your rental office, management office and say, take this person off my lease. Right. Good thing for people to know if anyone thinks they're going to try to underhandedly take their spouse's name off of a lease, not going to happen. Can't. That's illegal. So you <laughs> can't do that. Um, are there any other, I mean, I, I, I don't know what I should be thinking of. I mean, I feel like with my first divorce, we happened to have been in a rental and the lease happened to have been up, I think like two months later or three months later. So it was like fairly easy to deal with. And in my second we sold our joint home and okay. went our separate ways. So it was fairly clean on both sides. So I'm curious, like what other things come up that you see that are specific to divorce with real estate that other people may not be thinking of that they should be thinking of. 
Well, there are a lot of things that people should be thinking of in terms of divorce. But one thing I can think of when I did a divorcing couple, people will look through your house to find any clue of why you're moving. That is the number one question I get asked when I'm yes. selling a home by the buyers who are working, walking through. Why are they leaving? Right. Every, that's everybody's first question. My answer is always that they're relocating. Everyone is always relocating because okay. you are, you're leaving your home, you're relocating. It is nobody's business that there is a divorce happening. So that's something people, people want the utmost discretion when they are selling a home and divorce. And that's one of my highest priorities is to make sure that nobody knows what's going on in the home. Um, is that because uh, you think the buyers are then going to try to come in and lowball them? Absolutely. Okay. When people think that you're relocating for work and you have a deadline of when you need to be out, or if you're getting a divorce, they always want to, you know, get that edge, get that lower number. Okay. Um, so, and it's just also none of anybody's business. Um, you know, in open houses, we get as many neighbors as we do, you know, real serious buyers. Looky lose. So, and, looky lose and people who just want to see what tile you used in your kitchen right. and you know and so standard answer they're relocating but you may want to stage your closets and have you know two sets of clothes in the closet so that people don't know obviously the biggest thing that people look at they open that closet in the bedroom and they say oh it's just just the wife the husband must have moved out so there are creative ways that we can stage so that people aren't asking those questions oh my god that's so genius i never would have thought of that but it's so true it's it's just one of those things that people look at like, oh, they must, you know, half the closet is empty and yeah. half the closet. And I mean, it's even, it becomes even a superstitious thing. Like people want good vibes in the house that they're right. buying. So they don't want to know what's going on, nor should they. Right. They should no, be you're... able to walk in with a blank slate. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Well, I, this is all such great information and definitely critical for anyone who's going through the process. Because again, like, Figuring out what you're doing with your living situation is for sure one of the first things on everyone's list. And um, these are the things that you need to know about regardless of where you live. I mean, you know, I said in the beginning that Melissa's in New Jersey, but it really doesn't matter. I mean, wherever you live, whatever the market is, these are the things that you need to know about and should be thinking about to be able to prepare yourself for what your next move is going to be. And I would just encourage people, whether it's me, whether it's someone else in your area, have that conversation before it gets to the moment where you have to pick a realtor, put your house on the market, because in this market, especially things are moving so fast out here. We're having one weekend of showings and getting 20 offers. Yes. So once your home is on the market, you're not going to have the luxury of time to figure out what you're doing. So have these conversations beforehand and make sure you're in the driver's seat once that home goes on the market and you can move full speed ahead to get the best offer and not have to delay it by saying, okay, where am I going? I can't accept this offer. I have nowhere to go. There's just a lot of questions that should be asked way before that process even starts. Excellent advice. You're so right. Well, thank you so much for your time, Melissa. Really appreciate it. And look thank forward you for to having me doing the conversation. Thank you. 
For everyone out there listening, if you know anyone at all who would benefit from what we've talked about today, please share this episode and everything X-Experts. Be sure and click to subscribe, rate, and review our Divorce Etc. podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please follow us on social media, at X-Experts, on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. You can also find so much more, including articles and even the podcast transcripts on our website at www.exexperts.com. And don't forget to sign up for our newsletter now. When you get X-Experts in your inbox, you're the first to hear about all of our happenings at events, plus access special discounts and prices. Thanks for listening.